Let's just do that right now. Let's just be still. Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that, Lord, you would take away any fear, that, Lord God, you would take away any doubt in our hearts this morning. Thank you, Lord. Lord God, we thank you that you are the God who saves, that, God, you are the God of miracles. And, God, I just have this sense this morning that there might be someone here that they feel like yeah, your love surrounds them, but the walls are just so thick. They just could just never allow you in. God, I just thank you that you can break down the thickest of walls when we invite you in. Lord God, I just thank you that you are so kind, you are so good, you are so generous, so compassionate, Lord. But Lord, you never invade a life that doesn't invite you in. And Lord, I just pray this morning that you would help us to invite you in. That, Lord, we would be still, that we would know that you are God. That we would be free, that we would have your peace that passes understanding. God, I just pray that the joy of the Lord might be our strength. I just pray as we go out from this place a little later, God, that you would just so compel us, Lord, to this life that you've called us to. To be your church, to be the people that you've created us to be to declare your love, your grace and your mercy, Lord, wherever we go. We just thank you, Lord, for your marvelous plans, for your marvelous love, that we can know you, that we can be sure of our salvation, that we can be still and know that you are God and that you care for us. Lord God, I just pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that, Lord, you would just do your work in us, Lord, as you desire. Help us, Lord, just to open ourselves to you, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks, team. What a beautiful time just to spend time with God. I, so I encourage you, just as I spoke about last week, that just to, to take time, to make time, to be still and just uh, remember that God is God and that He is still in control. Amen. Even though what might be going on around you, he is still in control. He, he knows your circumstance. He knows what's happening. And he loves you completely. Amen? Amen. Some of us need to declare that and remind ourselves this morning. Fantastic. Well, this morning, uh, I wanted to start off by asking you, have you ever made a decision that you've regretted? Have you ever done something, said something, made a choice that you have gone, oh no, I've done it again. <laughs> I think we've all been in that place. It feels like your life is going to end. And I'm not talking about that day when you get up and you accidentally put on odd socks. I'm not talking about the things that you do and you sort of go, oh, whoops, I spilt the milk. Or, But when you make those decisions and you think, what have I done? This is a catastrophe. Oh no. I've just wasted a year of my life. I've just done something. I've just... And you know what? To be honest, most of the time, in six months' time, in a year's time, in two years' time, it's all okay. Most of the time. Sometimes there is consequences. But in the moment, it's like your stomach's been ripped out. It's been tied up into knots and it's been shoved back in with gravel in there. You know that feeling? Maybe it's just me. I was like, it's just horrible. I hate that place. God, keep us from that. This morning I want to talk a little bit about decisions. 
And we're going to continue to look at the Christmas story of the story of what God was doing through that very first Christmas time. We started a new series last week called Christmas History, which is really about God's story through history. It's God's story through all of history, but through particular people's lives, we can see the history of what God has done. And this morning, particularly, I want to look at the life of Joseph and the things that God does in and through Joseph, that we can learn about God, about what God is like, about what He has done, and also to look at some decisions that Joseph makes through that Christmas account in the Bible. And I want us to think about the decisions we make and how God might be leading us in our decisions as we go through life. Last week we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth and how they'd been waiting for a child for so long. They hadn't been able to have children and then God comes in and speaks to Zechariah by, by an angel and Zechariah, you might say, is a little less than optimistic that this could be true. And the angel says, right, that's it, you're going to be mute, you can't speak, you're going to be deaf for the next nine months. And that's what happens. But then the baby is born, they have the baby, and he can speak again, and then Zechariah prophesies the great things that God's going to do, that this child, John, who becomes John the Baptist, is the prophet of the Most High God, that the morning star, the morning Morning light from heaven is about to break and he talks about the great horn of salvation, that powerful saviour that is coming that this child is going to declare. And we see that God spoke to Zechariah, he had great confidence, he spoke out what was God was going to do like it had already happened and we know that the light from heaven did come. We know that the light from heaven, the mighty saviour has come and that God is faithful to what he promises even in the waiting. This morning, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read some of the account about Joseph uh, around that birth of Jesus this morning in Luke chapter 2, reading on from where we got to last time. And if you haven't got your Bibles there, it's on the screen. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, At that time... So what's that time? At that time when Zechariah and Elizabeth have had their baby, Zechariah's prophesied about what's going to happen, and we get to verse 1, it says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius, the governor, was governor of Syria. Just in case you're wondering, you're like, you were wondering about Quirinius, weren't you? Yeah, anyway. Verse 3, All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He travelled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. I love that that, uh, a description, snugly in strips of cloth. They didn't just tell us he got wrapped. He's snugly, like just picture him snugly wrapped. It's like he's, in other words, his arms probably can't move. Snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. You know, sometimes there can be, uh, there can seem to be a, a disconnect between what God is saying and what's happening in our lives. 
Sometimes it doesn't feel like what's happening is, is connected to what God has said is going to happen. It feels like there's a disconnect. I want to encourage you that there never is a disconnect. There, God is always faithful to what He's spoken, but it can feel like, God, what are you doing in this moment? Why are you allowing these things to happen? Why is this happening in this way, God? You said this, but this is happening. And we can feel like that at times. I was reading, this, uh, I was reading through the Christmas story with our kids recently, and we read through the passage, and I can see this confused look on Joseph's face. And we, I stopped reading, and Joseph's like, Dad... How come Mary's having a baby, but they're not married? I'm like, that's a great question, mate. It's like, we've talked about marriage, like God's plan is you get married and then you have kids. We haven't talked a lot about the details with him, but it's like, he knows that's, that's what God said you're supposed to do. He's going, Dad, this is God coming to earth, and yet his mum's having him before she's married. Why, Dad? I'm going, that's a great question, mate. (laughs) And I want to encourage you again. When people ask questions, don't make them feel silly. Questions should be encouraged. We should encourage people to ask questions. I I love the fact that people um, gave me the nickname Dr. Phil many years ago because I I asked lots of questions. I encourage them to ask lots of questions. I think questions are a good thing and let's be ready to give answer for the questions we're asked. Because it's a little strange. We can read about the Christmas story and go, oh yeah, this is, this is nice, this is how it happened. But it can feel like there's a disconnect here. This is the one time that God was born. You get that? Jesus came, it's the one time God is born. And the one time he comes, he does it not how he says to do it. What's the deal? God, you're not giving a very good example here. It can feel like there's a disconnect. It's like they're engaged, they're not yet married, and then... Jesus is there. Whoops. No. Actually, this is God's plan. It can feel like there's a disconnect, but there's not. You see, God was actually doing exactly what he'd promised to do. God had said 750 years earlier in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. I feel like my clicker's not working. Maybe the batteries are getting slow. Um, low. It's not bad to Anyway. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. 750 years earlier. God had declared, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. This is what God promised he would do as a sign. Now, if God had have uh, decided, I'm going to come, I'm going to um, come to a virgin. Um, okay, you... Um, Right, yeah, we'll, we'll give that a go. Uh, God had decided to come and he said, right, I'm going to come to Mary and Joseph and I'm going to wait till, yeah, I'm gonna get, not going to get too technical, but I'm going to wait till they get married and then I'm going to come. It's like, I'm going to come to a virgin, but I'm going to come to them when they're married. It's like, I have a feeling that the word spread that this, they, this, this baby came to a virgin and it was conceived by the Holy Spirit and not some other way, people may have had their doubts. Or if they'd been married for five years, ten years, and, uh, and they started saying, no, this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit, everyone would have been going, yeah, right, what kind of spirit are you being filled with? People might have had some questions, but God promised to come to a virgin, that the virgin would conceive a child, and he would be called Emmanuel. God came to Mary as a virgin, as an unmarried woman, so that people would see that this is God's sign being fulfilled. It wasn't a mistake. It did seem a little strange, and it would have caused a bit of angst. 
But God was being faithful to his promises. God is always at work. Sometimes it might feel like in your life right now there's a disconnect between what God has spoken and what's happening in your life, but God is always at work. So they're engaged, Mary becomes pregnant, and the baby's born, and they wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. I just wonder what those strips of cloth looked like. I wonder where they found those strips of cloth, whether they took them with them from from Galilee to, to Bethlehem, or if actually they got there and they're kind of like, oh, heck, we haven't got any baby blankets. It's like... Uh, what have you got? Have, we got? have you got some old, old cloaks you used to wear that we can like, wrap the baby up in? Who knows what those, those, those strips of cloth were like? And he, I think sometimes we read it, we don't think about the situation. This was a, a, a desperate sort of a situation. They've got Mary and Joseph out in some stable, wrapping him in strips of cloth and putting him in a manger, in a, in a food trough for animals. This is a pretty desperate picture. But even in a stable, even in a food trough, God is always at work. I think about what might have happened. Mary and Joseph, they've come to Bethlehem and, and we read that there was no room for them in the inn. And there's probably different ways we can interpret what that means. But one way you might say, well, Joseph's walking into town and you know what it's like when you go somewhere um, maybe you're taking the family and you haven't booked any accommodation and you get on the phone when you're getting closer to town and you sort of say, oh, have you got a room for the night? No, sorry, we booked out. You ring the next place and it's, oh, sorry, we booked out. And you're starting to get a little frantic. Oh, anyone else been in this place? Just, yeah, there's, a few, there's a few of us. You're learning about our characteristics now, um, being honest. And I, I know that feeling of we've, we've been travelling to, to Newcastle but we're getting around Albury and it's midnight. And, and we're planning to stay somewhere, but we didn't have anywhere yet to stay. And suddenly the, the thought of, we'll find somewhere, turns into, I hope we find somewhere. And it's like, I hope there's somewhere in the next town. <laughs> and and I, uh, we can sort of interpret it, maybe Joseph was getting a little frantic, he's ringing everyone, or, no, was, uh, they didn't have phones back then. He's looking up the white pages, no, maybe probably not either. He's going door to door saying, have you got somewhere for us to stay? But it says there was no room for them. Now, actually, I think what it means is probably the, the inn that it talks about is actually the family relations they have back in Bethlehem because they're going back to the family roots in Bethlehem. And I think actually what it's probably saying is they go there and all the cousins, all the uncles and aunties, they're all there and the house is just chock-a-block full. And they get there and they're like, oh, it's good to see you, Uncle Harry. Uh, Uncle Harry, I just yeah, got a bit confused. So sit down to you, Harry. Uh, Uncle Harry... <laughs> And it's, it's the, the house is packed, upstairs is full, and there's, there's no lodging available. In other words, there's no beds available, and they've gone, guys, you're about to have a baby. I don't think we should put you upstairs with your cousins. It's probably not going to be appropriate. So actually, how about we put you down in the, in, the, in the stable, like the little cave bit under the house where the animals are. It's actually, it's really clean. You'll have some privacy. It'll be good. Things could, could get a little bit messy anyway, so it's a good spot for you. And they have the baby. But picture that scene. This is the Most High come to save the world. We've heard that the prophecy of Zechariah, the morning light from heaven is about to break. This is God's mighty horn of salvation coming to save the world. And yet we've got this tiny baby in a food trough, in a stable, 
And I just wonder if Joseph's there at the end of the day, like Mary's given birth, and he's sitting there like with his head in his hands going, far out, what is going on, God? He's just been through the most traumatic, beautiful thing of his life. Um, his his fiancée, Mary, has given birth. And I just wonder if there might have been some aspect of his, his thinking that just said, God, what is going on? God, what are you doing? You've promised this, this is going to be the, the one to save all people from their sin. This is going to be, this is, this is your child. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet here I am sitting in a stable with all that chaos going upstairs with all my uncles and aunties and cousins. And, and we're down here in a stable and, and this child's lying in a food trough. God, what is going on? Are you for real, God? Are you for real? But God was at work. I just wonder whereabouts in your life, what stable are you in that you look at the situation and you think, God, what are you doing? What is going on? God, are you for real? Is this actually what you're going to do? Is this actually what you've promised? I want to encourage you this morning that God is always at work. I want us to turn to Matthew where we, we read a little bit more about what God speaks to Joseph. We're going to step back again and we're going to rewind. And we're going to press play from the, the beginning of the story again. So let's turn it in, the, in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. So rewind, baby hasn't been born yet. They're, they're, they're still finding out about the whole baby thing. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. Like we talked about last week, Zechariah, it doesn't mean he was sinless, but it meant he was a, a man who, he was a good man. He was trying to live by the law. He was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Have a think about that for a moment. Mary and Joseph, they've been growing up together. They've sort of seen each other around town. And Joseph's kind of like, she's nice. I like him. And then one day he realizes she's sort of saying, you're nice, can we hang out? They're getting to know each other and they, they, they're sort of hanging out and doing things together. And then finally one day Joseph gets up the courage to go and see Mary's dad. It's like, hey, Mary's dad. It's like, I'd like to, I'd like to court your daughter. It's like, can, can, I, can I go out with your daughter? And they, they start to get to know each other a bit more and, and they're... they're they're growing in their love for each other. And then finally one day, they get engaged. 
And it's all so exciting. They're so in love. It's so beautiful. They're both righteous people. And the whole town and the community is sort of all excited watching these two people grow up. It's like, oh, they're in love. Isn't it lovely? And then we have this moment. I can't imagine how it must have happened exactly. But at some point, Mary comes to Joseph and says, um, Joseph, I've got some news for you. You might want to sit down. I've got to tell you something. I'm pregnant. And Joseph's thinking, what? And Mary's like, it's, it's because the Holy Spirit's come upon me. God's put this child within me. And Joseph's going, I know how babies come. And what's going on, Mary? And Joseph is probably dumbstruck. His, his world is is feeling turned upside down. He's thinking, what on earth am I meant to do? He's hearing what Mary's saying about this is a child of God. And he's thinking, yeah, I don't know, Mary. Like, I love you and I think you're wonderful, but I don't know. Joseph has an incredibly difficult decision to make. In a sense, I think he has three options. He could continue on as is, and try and just sort of get married and hope no one notices that the baby comes a little early. That's one option. He could try and do that. There's probably going to be some shame. There's going to be some stigma. There's going to be some things happening around that decision. But it's one option. Second option, he could divorce her quietly. He's a righteous guy. He's a kind and gracious guy. He could sort of say, look, Mary, you know what? I love you. And I know you're saying this is a God thing, but... I don't think it is, and I think we just need to say, hey, it's time to go our separate ways. He could have done that. Well, the third option was the law at that time was that he could quite rightfully have taken her to the local court and she could have been put to death by stoning for any sexual activity outside of marriage was punishable by death. They, they knew that was the expectation that sex outside of marriage was not on. And Joseph could, could have quite rightly gone to the court and said, Guys, she's pregnant. We're not married. I don't know who it was. But she deserves to die. But Joseph, it says, a, a righteous man decides to graciously divorce her quietly. In other words, I, I, I could take you to the court, but you know what? I love you and I don't want that to happen. I'm just going to divorce you quietly. We're going to go our separate ways. And we're going to forget this ever happened. And Joseph had come to that decision in his mind. But then God comes to him in an angel, by an angel in a dream. And he says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. This child is conceived of the Holy Spirit. This is my child who will save all people from their sin. Don't be afraid, Joseph. And I imagine Joseph wakes up and he's kind of like, he still has a big difficult decision to make. Because he's heard what God said, he's seen what's happened, and he still has to make a decision. But we read that it says, Joseph did what he said. He didn't just hear it, he didn't just believe it, he actually did what the angel said to do. He listened to what God said, and he obeyed. And he took Mary as his wife, and we read what happened from that point. You know, God's ways can be confusing sometimes. God's ways can be confusing, but He can always be trusted. 
Sometimes we might hear God's voice speaking to us and we're thinking, God, I don't know, that's, that's pretty risky. That's a bit outrageous, God. You want me to go and tell that person God loves them? What if they punch me? God, you want me to go and, and, and do that thing in that place? You want me to say that thing? You want me to forgive that person? God, why would you ask me to do that? Maybe God's ways for you right now seem a little bit confusing, but he can always be trusted. I want to read a couple of Psalms to you. Psalm 25, verse 3 to 5. says this, No one who trusts in you, speaking of God, no one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced. But disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. You know, we can never trick God. We can never deceive God. And if we try, we will be disgraced. We will be found out. Verse 4, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Psalm 73, verse 22, says, I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You might feel like you have done the most foolish things, that you have made the most terrible decision, you've done the most horrible thing, and yet still we belong to Him. And as I love what we did around communion this morning of coming to Him. We have to be willing to come and say, God, I'm sorry, here I am with what's and all, you know what I've done, but God, I ask for your forgiveness. Verse 23, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? He knows that there is no other one in all of heaven and earth that we can trust in. No one else in this world that can lead us and guide us like our God. He is the only one who knows you completely and understands all things whom in, have I in heaven but you, God? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you hear this, no. If you think about this, no. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Can you imagine what the world would be like if people never let loyalty and kindness leave them? We never let loyalty and kindness leave us. No matter what people did, no matter what happened in this life, we never let loyalty and kindness leave us. Verse 3, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In other words, don't look at all the natural circumstances and situations around you. Don't just think about in your own mind, how can I work this out for God's good? 
Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You know, God loves you. He cares about you. He won't leave you, and he wants to lead you. He wants to guide you into the life he has for you. He desires to do it. So often we feel like, oh, God, I've messed it up. How could you still want to? But he continues to hold us. We continue to be his children. No matter what our children do, sometimes they make us quite frustrated. Sometimes they disappoint us even. But they continue to be our children no matter what. And he will not push us away. He will not give up on us. He remains wanting to help us and lead us and guide us always. And I want to tell you this morning, we do not have to fear making wrong decisions if we are listening to God. We can be afraid of making decisions sometimes. We can be crippled by fear and and indecision. But we do not have to be afraid when we're listening to God about decisions we make. He can redirect us. Think of Joseph. He's, he's made that decision. He said, God, Mary is pregnant. We're not married. The right thing for me to do is just to quietly divorce her. But God comes. He speaks and redirects his path. He doesn't trust in his own understanding. He trusts in God's leading and he, and he obeys God's call. I think about my own life. In, in high school, I was the guy who knew what I wanted to do. I was going to become a graphic designer. I was going to go off to uni and do graphic design. I was going to work for whoever I could. And, and if I couldn't be paid to do it, I'd, I'd just volunteer my time to help Youth Alive and different organisations promote the gospel however I could. That's who I was. That's what I was going to do. Everyone knew, oh, Coxie, he's going to be the graphic designer. He's going to do that. Oh, and he's going to become an Olympian cyclist too. That's who I was. But God can redirect our paths. God spoke to me about going to Papua New Guinea. And I, I, I just knew that God wanted me to go. I didn't have the, the resources to go, but I spent everything I could, everything I had. I spent on going, and I, I went. I, God provided the things I needed to go. And in that trip, God spoke to me and redirected my path. I came back. I said, you know what? I don't want to do graphic design anymore. And everyone's kind of like, you what? Are you serious? You were the one guy that knew what he wanted to do. What are you going to do now? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I want to help people know Jesus. I want to help people know God. So I went to Bible college and I did that and God redirected my path through that time. You know, it says in Proverbs 16 verse 9, it says, Man plans his course, but God directs our steps. And I had my course all planned out. I think I've told many of you before, I had a 50-year plan drawn up. It was done. Some of you are shaking your head like, easy, serious? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I had a plan. But God directed my steps. And actually, it's interesting looking back at that plan. I didn't become an Olympic gold medalist cyclist, but it's interesting to see the things God has directed my steps in that I thought was totally not going the way I'd planned to go. But God led me to do the things that I'd hoped to do in so many different ways. God can redirect us. He can change our heart. He can change our desires. I think if you told me when I was 20 years old, training 25, 30 hours a week as a cyclist, that I was going to not ride a bike for 12 months, I would have said, you're a crazy nut. (laughs) But God redirected my life. He changed my heart. He gave me a new desire. God can redirect our lives if we allow him to. I wonder what direction have you planned for your life? What direction are you on? And are you willing for God to redirect you at times? 
Are you open to God saying, actually, I know you're after that thing, but I want you to go this way. Trust me. Don't depend on your own understanding. Trust me. Take this step. See where I'm going to lead you. It's good. It's right. It's good for you. I love you. Are we willing for God to redirect our steps at times? We don't have to be afraid in the decisions we make if we know we are listening to God. I want to ask you this morning, actually before I ask you that, <laughs> last week I talked about how sometimes our waiting is God's preparation for the divine. Just as the waiting for Zechariah and Elizabeth was God's preparation for the miraculous to occur in their life, sometimes our waiting is God's preparation to do something miraculous in us and even through us. This morning I want to say to you that sometimes the stables of desperation are the birthplace of God's glorious grace. Now I want to explain what I mean by that. Joseph is in the stable. It's a desperate place. It seems like the most far removed place from the King of Kings coming to save the world. But in that stable of desperation, maybe there's even some discouragement, maybe not, but in that place, God birthed the most glorious, gracious thing he could ever bring to this earth. And I don't know about you, but for myself in my own life, it's in times when I've gone into a stable of depression and a depression, dis- desperation, discouragement. It's been at times in those moments when God has spoken something to me that has been his glorious gift of grace for my life that has sustained me and compelled me and, and motivated me for years following. I wonder what stable of desperation you might be in and what gracious gift God has for you in that place. I don't believe God will leave any one of us in that desperate place, but He will speak, He will do something, He will move, He will give you a word, He'll give you a scripture to inspire you, to help you, and it will be God's gracious gift birthed in that moment. Sometimes the stables of desperation are the birthplace of God's gracious gift. I wonder what seed of faith has God placed in you? What little thing is God stirring in you? Maybe there's some inkling of what God is saying, that God's just prompting you in some way to take some step, to make some decision. Maybe there's some prophetic nudge you're getting to say, you know, I just feel like I've got to do this. I want to give you three quick thoughts to process those things this morning. Number one is pray about it. Maybe you don't have any little seed of faith of what you should be doing in this life, and I want to encourage you, pray about that. Say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I don't want to just live my life and then say, whoops, sorry God, I missed it. God, what do you want me to do with my life? How do you want me to live this life on this earth for your glory? Pray about it. And if God does give you some seed of faith about what he's wanting you to do with your life, maybe you're trying to outwork that right now, pray about that. Say, God, lead me in this. How do you want me to outwork this thing that you've put within me? Pray and say, God, is this in line with your word? Is this truly what you want from me? Help me to see what you want me to do and and to do it faithfully. Secondly, I encourage you to share it carefully. Share it with those that are also going to pray about that thing with you. Share that thing with someone who's not just going to say, yeah, 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 you're awesome, you can do it, go for it, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And also don't share it with someone who's just going to say, no, 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 you could never do that. No, 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 just, just hold on, mate. Just chill out for a moment. Share it with someone that you know will pray, someone that will think about it and, and, and try and understand what you're saying and, and pray with you as God determines what should happen. And thirdly, I want to encourage you to trust God's timing. If God has spoken, He will bring it to pass. That doesn't mean we just sit around saying, okay, God, you better do what you said you're going to do. We need to take some steps sometimes. But if we're taking steps and it doesn't seem to be happening, don't be afraid. That song just came, don't be afraid. Anyway, don't be afraid. If it's God's word, if it's what He has spoken, He will bring it to pass. Don't be anxious for anything. Trust His timing. God is at work. You know, the truth is, sometimes I think we know what God has spoken. We, we have a sense of what He's saying for us to do, but we just need the boldness and the courage to step out and to do it. Sometimes we have a, a, a sense of what God's saying to do, and we actually just need to humble ourselves and say, Okay, God, I don't want to do it, but I know you're calling me to do it. Your word says, Go and make disciples. I'm not just going to have a personal faith anymore. I'm going to share about my faith with people. Some things we, we know what God's called us to do, but we just need some courage, some boldness, and some steps of doing what He's called us to do. But for some of us, we genuinely aren't sure what God's encouraging us to do. We don't know what He's speaking. We're not sure what He's saying. And I want to just read this verse from Philippians 2 this morning. Whoa, that's interesting. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I want to encourage you this morning, if you're not sure what God's calling you to do, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, don't just think about such things, do such things as these. If you're not sure what to do, find something you can do for God's glory that's pure and noble and right and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. If you're not sure how God wants you to go and make disciples, just do something you can see to do that might help make disciples. If you're not sure what to do, don't be discouraged by not having a specific thing. Find something to do. Jump in, commit to it and say, God, redirect me if you want to, but I'm here for you, God. Let's not be frozen by indecision. Sometimes indecision cripples us. We're not sure what to do. God, you haven't given me a specific thing. So we just wait and do nothing. But we have one life and it is short. And I want to make every day count for God's glory. It's not about earning God's forgiveness, but I want to live for His glory. I want to use this life in the way He's designed me to live it. God, help us to do that. We can learn so much from Christmas, from history. The light of the world has come. He has done what He promised to do, and He is faithful. You might be on some kind of place right now. You might have made some decision, and you're thinking, God, I've messed it up. How can you ever do what you've promised now? But God is still at work. He is still able he is greater than the situation that you are in. And I want to read one last verse to you this morning. Ask the band if they can come up. One last verse in Psalm 119, verse 105. 
It says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. God's word, the Bible, is a lamp for our feet. It helps us to see where we should go. It helps us to see where we should not go. But also, you know, Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus is the lamp to our feet and a light to our path. He is the one who came to this world to save sinners like us. He said, come, follow me. Learn to be more like me. Learn to do what I do. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus wants to light the way for you. Last week we talked about how the morning light from heaven was about to break, that we would not have to sit in darkness any longer. You and I do not have to sit in darkness. Jesus, the light of the world, has come to lead us to salvation, to lead us to live for his glory. Wherever we go, whatever we do. You know, who has a phone? Hands up if you have a phone. Lots of us have phones. Who's ever got out your phone and you've gone to take a photo, you've gone to do something and it goes, insufficient memory, please delete some data. Anyone ever had that moment? I hate that moment. It's like you go to take a photo, your kids are doing something and you go, click. It's like insufficient data, delete some stuff. It's like, oh, you're going through frantically trying to delete some things. It's like, okay, quick, 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 it's, the moment's going to pass. And you finally delete a few videos and things and you, you think, right, there'll be enough room. You go, click, insufficient data still. And you, you, anyone had that moment? Yep. Anyway, you finally delete some things, you go to take the photo and the moment's passed. It's like, oh. That's been happening to me for six months now. It's driving me crazy. I'm deleting podcasts and things off my phone so I can make room for some more photos and things. It's driving me crazy. And finally, on Thursday, I took the bold and courageous step. It took me three hours. <laughs> but I, I, I sat in my office. I, I came back Thursday night while Young Adults was on, and, and I sat in my office backing up my data saving all my photos, making sure all my contact details are still there, you know, because it's really important. You don't want to lose your contacts. I'm finding all the things on my phone I think I might need and, and saving them onto the, onto the cloud and hoping the clouds just don't disappear and you have blue sky. It's like, anyway, anyone ever have that fear? Anyone? <laughs> I've backed it all up and now I've got to that moment. I've pressed the, th the button to say, um, factory reset. And then, you know, there's the second button. I'm like stuttering because I'm so nervous still about pressing it. I'm, I'm looking at that button going, if I press it now, it's going to confirm it. It's going to delete all my data. It's going to get back to factory reset. And I'm standing there, I'm going, I did it. I've done it. What have I done? I pressed the button. I can never go back now. Anyway, it took a little while and it restarted. I'm going, oh, please, God, please, but those, those contacts will still be there. It's like, please let my text messages be backed up. And I, I, I get it all going again, and I'm getting it all going, and it's connecting, and it's syncing, and it's downloading, and it's doing all these things. And now it's beeping at me. He's sending me messages. <laughs> and, and as it's set up, I get my phone out, and I press something, and it does something straight away. I'm like, whoa, that's so responsive. I, I was at school doing Kids Hope, and we were looking up something on my phone, and he's like, wow, your phone's got so much lag. I'm like, Okay. Anyway, and I, I get my camera out, I take a photo, and it goes click, bang, done. Oh, wow. My phone actually works now. You ask it to do things, and it does it. It's amazing. 
I love it. I think, why didn't I do this six months ago? And you're thinking, why is Andrew telling us about his phone? Because Friday, I was out on my bike. I love to spend time with God on my bike. And I was out riding my bike. I was spending some time with God. And I just felt God say to me, Andrew, there's some people in our church that need to do a factory reset of their life. There are so many of us that have so much clutter, so much stuff. There are so many things, so many ideas. There is so much happening in our life that we cannot allow God to do anything because it takes so long to process all the things that are happening to allow God to move. And I want to ask you this morning, does God need to do a reset in your life? Has your life become so full that when God speaks, when God prompts you to move, that life is so compact that it takes so long for us to get our heads around what he's saying that we miss the opportunity? God, I just pray this morning that you would help us to know the decisions you want us to make. But Lord, even more than that, that we would surrender our life to you again this morning. That Lord, you would help us to allow some things to, in our lives to be deleted if necessary. Lord, where we're choosing to do things, where we're choosing to, not necessarily even bad things, but where we're choosing to do too much, God. Well, for any of us that just week by week by week by week, we just feel like we've got no time to spend with you, God. I just pray that you would help us to do a factory reset of our hearts, Lord God. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that you might just illuminate things to people's minds, the things that you're wanting us to, Lord, to step back from. Any ways in our life that you're calling us to slow down. That, God, we would make room for you to move in our lives. That, God, we would give you space to be still and know that you are God, that you love us, that, Jesus, you died on the cross for our sin, that you will never leave us or forsake us. God, I pray that we would not continue just to go on and on and on with a life that is so full that we cannot spend time with you. Lord, what could be more important than to spend time with our Saviour and King? Jesus, you died that we could come back into relationship with you. You died so we could be reunited and have relationship in this life and the life to come. And God, I just pray that you would stop us, that you would not allow us to, to crowd you out of this life. You have made a way for us to be set free, to have life and life in, a, in abundance. And God, I pray that you would not allow us to crowd you out of our lives, Lord God. Lord, you've called us to be your church, to let your light shine through us to this world. And God, I pray that you would help us to be that light. That Lord, when you hit the switch to turn us on, that God, we would be ready to respond that we could show your love, your grace, your forgiveness, that, Lord, we'd be re ready to be redirected in the, in the busyness of our day, that, God, you could help us to sense what your Spirit is saying and to follow your prompting, Lord God. I just really want to encourage you this morning that even as we come to a close, as we sing this song, that there's some people here, I believe God wants to speak 
to your life, you, you know there's some resetting needs doing in your life. Maybe you've been doing wonderful things, you've been doing fantastic things, but you just have a sense that God's saying, just allow me to, to redirect some things in your life. I, I want to encourage you to come forward for prayer if you feel that's you. And just allow someone to pray with you this morning and we're going to seek a word from you from God. Just to speak prophetically about what God is pointing you to do. And I encourage you, as I said, pray about those things. Share it with someone that can pray about it with you as well. And trust God's timing. It may not be this week you need to make the change. Maybe it's next year that you need to make some changes about your life. Don't just drop what you're doing and say, Oh, Andrew said I've got to make some changes. Pray and ask God, What is it you're asking me to do, Lord? We're going to sing this song. And as we do, I encourage you, if that's you, just to come forward to allow us to pray with you. This song says, you are stronger. You are stronger. What's the first line? Sorry, Charlie. Can we just put that up there? There is love that came for us. Humbled to a sinner's cross. He came and died on the cross for our sin. We are set free because of his death and resurrection for us. It's by faith we are saved. But let's not crowd out the joy of our salvation. Let's allow him to do a work in us that we can truly be the people he created us to be. Let's stand this morning. Let's sing this and just respond as God leads you this morning. Thank you, Lord.